My name is Andrea Welsh. And my name is Mike Dimitriev. Um, and, well, I guess we're husband and wife. I don't know if we need to tell them that, but I guess it's good to know. We're physicists. Full disclosure. And this is our new podcast called Curriculum Mortis, uh, which is about the academic life. Specifically, our academic life and or lives. And um, we will be talking about what our weeks are like as a physics grad student. And a physics postdoc. And then we will be answering your questions. And hopefully if some episodes go well and you guys enjoy it, um, we might see if we can get guests to talk about other areas of academia that we are not as familiar with. Uh, I am not equipped to talk about history, English, Law school, med school. I yeah, have professional no schools. idea. Like, yeah. But I think there's still a lot of content that we could cover that hopefully helps some people. And yeah, that's our goal with this. Yeah. So, do you want to um, do you want to talk about your week a little bit first? Sure. So, to be honest, I don't remember most of my week, which probably I could say every week. But it started off with a lab mate of mine defending her thesis, and she succeeded, so I guess she's now a doctor. So yeah, so Monday she defended her thesis. It was nice to be able to see someone from our lab finally graduate, because it's been a little while. And we had a, like, group meeting dinner, which, I mean, you were there for that, so it was really good food. Our advisor paid for it, thank God, because I didn't want to pay for that. I've actually gotten a lot of free meals from your advisor. Yeah. And he also likes food, which is good for me, because I also like food, so that's nice. Oh yeah, the new the new grad students, the first years, came in this week. Finally got to meet a lot of them. We have, I think it's a cohort of 16? Do you, is that right? That sounds like a reasonable number. Yeah. And what's exciting is that seven of them are women. Yay. Usually the, the percentage is not that high in physics, but that was a surprising thing for this year. Uh, we had a lunch with the Women in Physics group and got to talk to mm-hmm. a few of them and some professors, um, which was great because I haven't talked to some of these professors in a while. And it looks like they're going to be, I mean, they're a bit nervous, but they seem like an interesting group of students. I didn't actually get to meet all of them. I just ended up talking to like a set of four of them for like most of the hour yeah. and a half. I mean, many of them seems fairly nervous. I mean, they, they, they had to run to, I think, human resources, make sure that they get hired as TAs. Yeah. And, you know, they're waiting to start their first year classes, which actually begin tomorrow as we're recording yep. this. So, so that's a, that's an adventure which I remember a little bit of at this point. Yeah, I kind of remember that, um, and having to deal with that twice, which I think I'll talk about later when we get to one of our questions for this week. But on top of that, this summer has been a lot of traveling and other things going on for me that I'll probably be referring to here and there. But uh, because of that, there wasn't as much new research getting done as I wanted it as I wanted to get done uh so my focus for the past few weeks has been on producing these or finishing up these papers that we've been working on 
and some of these are long overdue. I was looking at some of the code and plots that I made for this paper, or one paper in particular, and it said 2015. So that's, that's, it's, it's 2018 in case, I don't know, you're not listening to this when it comes out, but yeah, so that, that's pretty long overdue. So trying to figure out what still needs to be worked on with that and what I need to do and if there's another, I don't know what to call him now because he was a grad student and now he's not, um, but he was on the paper. Um, but if there's any work that he could do as well to help finish it up and hopefully send that off to a journal. There's two other papers, one that requires a bit more work and one that should theoretically be mostly done that also I need to finish up. But What would you call this former lab member? I, independent consultant? I don't know. Contractor? Any, no, no, I don't. <laughs> no, just person. So he was an undergrad working in our lab and then he went to a grad program somewhere else. So then while editing this, the affiliation had already changed from our university to his new university and then now he uh, decided to leave with a master's thesis and now he's not working anywhere for the time being so we weren't quite sure apparently at some point I don't think I told you this apparently um, at some point he started a company for making board games there's actually a website um, and my advisor had joked around saying we should put that because he's listed as like the CEO of the company um, so list that as his affiliation I don't think he knows about that yet, but I did send him a draft where we did include that in, so we'll see what his reaction to that is going to be. Yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes you leave the affiliation where most of the work was done, or yeah. sometimes you leave the last affiliation. So, yeah, it's, it's sort of an interesting problem. Yeah, but we'll, we'll probably figure that out as we figure out what other work he can do. So, so basically, since... This summer has been traveling for me and, and doing some of the camps and working on these papers. Now I'm trying to get back into what actual, I mean it's all been work, but like what new research I'm going to be hopefully doing this week. Um, it's been a little while and that's a little intimidating, um, but I also want to do some, I, I guess with my lab mate defending her thesis. I kind of want to go back and see if I can fill out some of the introduction and um, background information of, of my thesis draft so I don't have it all at the end. So I'm coming from a slightly different side of things. Um, since I'm a postdoc, I, uh, my responsibilities are a little bit different. Can you explain to people who don't know what a postdoc is, what a postdoc is? So the postdoc position is sort of this in-between uh, in, in, in academia. Um, it's, it's in between getting your PhD, which, which I have, and getting, getting a, a job. So yeah, some, some people get their PhDs and, and go right to academic positions. Um, depending on their position, they may be an instructor or, or even sometimes tenure track. Uh, but in, in our fields, the latter is a little bit rare, but um, so so postdoc is a type of in between, 
where you develop your your sort of research portfolio. You start publishing papers a bit more. You you uh, you uh, start working on different problems and and um, and you network a bit more. But the other another thing you do is you start, um, or at least I started um, mentoring some grad students in the group, in particular because the PI that that I work with is. Um, has been Principal whale, so. investigator. Sorry, not everyone knows what a PI is. Yeah, I'm gonna enough. interrupt a lot. That's just what I do. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's okay. I'm used to it. But I'm um, so sorry. That's <laughs> no, okay. Um, so, so yeah. So this was this was my first summer as a postdoc. I was hired on um, in the fall. Oh, it's been a year. Well, no, one more month and it'll be a year. Actually, technically, Two it's been weeks. a year. Uh, you started in September. Oh, that's right. I did start in started September. Started September. Two more weeks and it'll be a year. Two more weeks and it'll be a year. And yeah, so um, so getting to mentor grad students is, is a new thing for me since I um, I worked in a theory group as as a grad student and um, we didn't get any uh, undergrads that I can mentor and so we were all off by ourselves. Um, which is a rather lonely existence, but uh, but yeah, as, as a as a postdoc, um, I'm sort of discovering this mentoring side of things and have a bit more responsibility than what I'm used to. Even though we're a theory group, actually, we have a we have a lab, which is which is interesting because I'm sort of the um, the de facto lab uh, safety person, which is something I never imagined I would be. But um, but yeah, so so as you know, you talked about writing papers, and that's basically what my summer has been writing, writing uh, old papers, trying to get them out, writing this review article, um, a lot of writing, actually not not a ton of research. So I'm I'm trying to get back into that because, you know, I, I miss doing the actual uh, science side of things rather than the writing side of things, which can be fun too. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great to see uh, my research gate, uh, my article on research gate, get uh, get reads. Yay! Yay! That was good. Well, not only get reads, but actually just like be published. Well, that yeah, happened in July. Well, yeah, technically it, August. It, August first, it was published. It, the initial submission was <laughs> June two thousand seventeen, and the final publication was uh, was August first two thousand eighteen. So so it took a little while. I mean, to be fair, there was some back and forth with trying different journals, though, too. So. Yeah. But the, the, these, are, these are things that happen. Publishing, sometimes it, it's really fast. Um, I look forward to it being really fast for me someday. Um, but, but so far, my experience has been um, sort of a, a long way with lots of revisions. Um, but yeah, so... Um, so I guess, well, that was my entire summer, essentially. I, was... I mean, we both did some conference travel, which um, for me it was a little bit more of a while ago. It was like beginning of June, which yeah. was still it was summer semester for us technically, but um, it was nice because I got to go to Europe, got to go to Spain, um, and um, visit an old advisor of mine in Geneva at CERN, so that was pretty exciting. I wasn't there for too long, but um, having done a study abroad in Geneva uh, oof, eight years ago, <laughs> yeah, eight, year, right? eight years ago, 2010, yeah, yeah. I guess so. eight years ago, 
um, it was really weird to be back and like see all these places and be on the same tram that I took every day, even though now it goes directly to CERN, which was nice. And of course, bring back some chocolate from Geneva. But so, yeah, I mean, and then you had a trip to Germany, so I don't know how much you want to talk about that. But that's one cool thing that like I appreciate about academia so far is the traveling because I didn't get to do a lot before college. Um, My family never went anywhere and this study abroad was that I went to eight years ago was the first time I left the country. So uh, even if it is for work, it's still nice to have a day or so in a new place. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I was, I was in Germany for the first time in 10 years or so, uh, which was, which was very nice. And, um, and actually, you know, my, the, um, the PI principal investigator of the lab that I work in right now has been traveling all summer. And and my advisor was also traveling most of the summer. I think, I mean, we were in Madrid together, but then afterwards I only saw him for like a week and then he was gone. Well, I I saw um, my advisor in in Germany. That's that's actually been the only uh, real communication and and discussions that I've I've, uh, had with her this entire summer. Uh, interestingly enough. Just to say also, that doesn't always happen. I don't, like... Yeah, it depends on the group. It depends on the person, it depends on the group, but not to, like, freak anybody out that's like, hey, I'm not going to have an advisor that's going to be around all the time. And since I am now starting my seventh year of my physics PhD, I theoretically should be more independent. So... I'd say you're pretty independent. No, I, I am. But I'm just saying, like, um, it's not like I necessarily need anything from my advisor at the moment, um, except for probably some reviewing and okaying things and stuff. Yeah, so did you want to get into questions? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm good to get into questions. Okay, so... We just um, spent some time discussing ourselves, yeah. so... Let's do You'll hear useful. a lot about ourselves, because... Um, that's what we're going to be starting with every week. Well, I, I think that's uh, part of the reason why we're doing the podcast is, you know, it's sort of a slice of life type, type Oh, thing. yeah. I mean, like, I didn't know anything about grad school um, until I was actually in grad school. And mm-hmm. then, even then, I still didn't know what was considered, like, normal and what wasn't. Yeah. Um, what was, like, a standard week like? What was, um, you know, not what was me not progressing as quickly, what was me spending too much time working. I had no idea. So so hopefully you can at least gauge your own work ethics by hours, which might not be the best thing to do, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I think at this point we've got the grad school thing more or less figured out for us, actually. I'm working on figuring out this postdoc thing. Oh, yeah, so, you don't even have to worry about grad school yeah, anymore. Po- postdoc is sort of uh, purgatory. But it's actually fun. It's it's a lot of fun. I I actually enjoy it more than grad school. Um, but uh, but we're sort of the invisible. Is some part of the of invisible the people on camp. Part of that is the money, but part of that is the ability to have more control of the research that I'm doing. And yeah. and I'm not taking any classes, which I thought I would miss. Um, but actually, you know, I don't at the moment. Maybe I will at some point. But uh, you know, 
Well, other than coffee card hours, I, I don't know the passage of uh, semesters anymore. Yeah, I usually have to remind him, like, oh, campus is actually closed this week. Yeah. Or classes start this week, and that's why there's a bunch of people more on campus than last week. Well, um, the, the cool thing also about this sort of slice of life type podcast is that um, is that yes, we're, we're we're married. So so if this keeps on continuing, we can start talking more about the two body problem, which is what I'm um, not looking forward to dealing. With. <laughs> and you think I am? Mm-hmm. But um, but but yeah. So I mean, that's that's to define it. The the two body problem is what um, couples in in academia uh, deal with. Well, it's sometimes also applied to couples who are looking for a similar job in industry or, or, or other other sectors. But um, we're talking about as far as we're both, at this point, interested in getting academic jobs. Mm-hmm. And we really want to be in the same city. Yeah, and, um, and since, um, from what we're told, it's kind of hard to get academic jobs. Yes. Um, there's a lot more PhDs produced. Um, especially in the U.S., than um, than than how many spots are available um, for a professor position. So, um, trying to find a place where we can both go, especially both of us being in physics, um, there is going to be some moving around a bit. Um, we could get jobs not in a physics department as a possibility, but still, it, it's. Um, it is a little stressful to deal with thinking about that, um, but I'll probably be talking about applying to some positions in the upcoming weeks because I've already started looking. Yeah, and I'm keeping my options open. I'm, uh, well, I'll talk about that some other time. Yeah, so I think we've kind of talked enough about ourselves. Right, so let's jump into questions. Yes. Um, so I've gotten a lot so far. And we're not going to get to all of them today, but that's what, I don't know if, we actually haven't discussed if this is going to be a weekly or like twice a month thing. Or we will see. Thing. Okay, so. Let's see if we have listeners. Yeah, so this. we're going to start with a few questions from, did we say which one we wanted to do first? Number two. There. Number two. Okay. So we got a question from, uh, okay, well, everyone this week is going to be called anonymous because I didn't get to check with people. What they wanted to be called. <laughs> we, 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 we can always say. We can always. Later. Like, retcon. This question is from. Yeah. Okay. We can always retcon who sent them in. I just didn't get to check with people, and I don't want to use names if they don't want me to use names. So, um, from Anonymous1, um, how could I even begin to narrow down the zillion of grad programs of the world? So, should I start off, or do you want to start off? Yeah, why, why don't you start off? Okay, so um, I guess hopefully first you've picked, like, not necessarily a major, but, like, a general field you want to go to. So if you're still narrowing it down between, like, law school and physics PhD, you might have some issues yeah. that I can't help with because I don't know what I want to do with my life. And if you're, like, a sophomore in undergrad, then, you know, you might not have narrow down your undergrad major. Actually, do, do we even call them majors in grad school? No, I don't think they're majors. In, I don't know what they're called, but yeah. So, so I, <laughs> Welcome I think to our advice podcast. We don't know anything. <laughs> um, so I'm assuming like 
you know, you already know, like, I want to go get a PhD in physics or chemistry or biology or... Or even a non-science. Or, yeah. Or I was going to start listing some of those, too. Okay. History. I mean, I can list them forever, so... Um, go on. <laughs> sorry. Um, but... You're just laughing at... English, literature, psychology. That does, I mean, psychology counts as a science. So, I don't know. Just keep going. Um, and, yeah, so I assume you made it to that point. <laughs> so now, I think, trying to get an idea of the subfield. So I'm going to use physics just as examples because, obviously, that's what I know better. But trying to figure out, do I think I like biophysics? Do I like soft matter? Do I like hard condensed matter, do I like particle, do I like nonlinear dynamics, do I like atomic, molecular, optics, and whatever else there could be. I listed a lot, so, um, oh, astro, I forgot about them. But yeah, so, so kind of first figure out, like, some subfield. Um, and if you don't know what you want, that's, that's okay, because um, at least try to narrow it down to a few because not every school is going to have good variety of every sort of subfield. Well, d- to be honest, you know, the, these boxes exist for a reason. But, um, but in, in the end, it's, you know, a lot of groups can be put in, put in each one of these boxes. For example, biophysics. For example, um, I guess, uh, what, what's, what's a chemistry subfield? Um, I don't know. It's something quantum chemistry. Yeah. Density uh, functional theory or something like that. I don't know. But um, but, but um, in the end, you also have to look into what specific research groups you would like to work in. Well, yeah, but I mean, before you get to that, like, if you don't know specifically, like, I don't think I necessarily knew... Well, okay, apply, applying to grad school the first time, I'll get into that. <laughs> applying to grad school the first time, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, but then the second time I knew I wanted to do nonlinear, I've had friends who didn't know exactly, but they might be playing with one or they might be playing with like another field in their mind. So if you aren't sure, at least make sure that like they have professors doing that sort of research, whatever options you're considering. Cause yeah. I mean, I, there was a grad student who I was talking with one of the first years who, who said, yeah, he's, he's going to go into soft matter, which is the field that I'm in. And we're like, yeah, okay, great. We, we have a uh, we have some stuff we can uh, we can definitely chat about. I'm really excited to have an addition to our uh, little little community down in the basement. But then he said, well, I really I really want to work on uh, superconductivity. I think uh, theories yeah, you, of superconductivity. Yeah. I was like, but we don't really do that at yeah, our institution. I'm I'm a little bit curious why you why you chose the school you're currently enrolled at but um but that's okay there's there's a lot of different circumstances that might occur it may may be the only school that i got into or um but right now we're just talking about i guess narrowing down which ones you want to pick so i mean if he knew that superconductivity was something he definitely wanted to do then our school probably shouldn't have been on his list because we don't do that do a little bit, but I don't think the type that he wants to do. Yeah. Okay, so first, you know, make sure there's those sorts of areas. You'll find that, like, even if there's one person there, it might not be just 
a big enough community or a good enough, like, not good enough in the sense of, like, competitive enough, but just, like, you know, they might not be taking students. So if it's one person and they're not taking students that semester uh, that you're starting, that might not be the school for you if that's the only thing that you're interested in. Yeah, yeah, actually, uh, you mentioned the word competitive enough, and so I, I just want to... I mentioned it once. Yeah, I, you, you, you mentioned it. Okay. So I just wanted to to mention quickly rankings. Oh God! And that you should ignore them. Oh yeah. By and large, by and large. I don't think. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that goes into, um, and like the rankings. A lot of it also depends on how big the institution is, anyway. So you can't be too high of a ranking if you don't have more than a certain number of faculty in that field. So. That being said, we're, we're, we're coming from a position of, of science. I'm, I'm not sure how oh, things yeah. are in engineering, how things are in, say, business school even. Like, yeah. um, maybe maybe uh, certain jobs, you know, the, your, uh, your employer will say, hey, you went to Yale. Yeah, okay, I, mean, I, don't, I don't care what, uh, what you did for your PhD. That I mean, name is good enough. That might also be true, though if you want to go into, like, industry. I don't know. We'll, we'll see if we can find an industry person talking about their yeah. grad school experience because I don't know how much of it is names, like, oh, which school you went to or the grades. I mean, there's a good chance they probably won't care about your PhD thesis. But we're getting, like, off topic here. So, yeah. um, okay. So limiting down to... The individual sort of group you want to do at that university, uh, not like group, but research area that you want to do at that university, making sure um, you have some choice there. So like, is there multiple potential advisors that you could work with? It's probably not the best idea to pick, as I said, like a university where there's one person you really want to work for because there could be a lot of reasons why that might not work out. Yeah, but but in some fields, it's also worth keeping in mind that you're hired in, you can be hired into essentially a group rather than rather than being strictly accepted into the department where you then have freedom of choice of group yeah. to go into. Uh, so so it's worth finding out by talking to grad students in your fields. You know yeah. what 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 that's like for for our fields. You know we that's something I wish I did more. Um, just like reach out to the current grad students at that university not necessarily the one we're at now but like my first try at grad school um just to see like how were things there what was it like um and get a feel of what the community was like before deciding to go because that could give you an idea if they're willing to talk that's probably a good sign if they're not willing to talk i'd wonder why like people don't seem to care about incoming students. Yeah, it's worth trying multiple times because I know a lot of grad well, students who... It, like, reach out to multiple people. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so I mean, if, if, like, people are writing back and saying, like, you know, they don't care, they don't have time, mm -hmm. or just flat out ignoring you and it's multiple people, that's probably a problem. So, we've talked about, you know, making sure you have options there, uh, making sure, like, what is it like even starting research there? So Mike kind of mentioned, like, are you admitted into a particular lab? I've known some people who, you know, applied and wanted to do, like, particle theory, and they said, no, you're doing particle experiment. 
and they just said, no, that's not really what I want to do, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, that's not true at all schools. Um, at ours, they basically didn't hold us to anything we said in our research statement, or I guess what it was, called, <laughs> uh, our personal statement. Um, so if you said, hey, I wanted to do biophysics, and then you came in and started like trying to work with astro people, nobody was going to say anything. Um, another thing that I think a lot of people don't, talk about as much is what are your hobbies like are you gonna if is this a school where you can do other things that like you like as part of your normal life not just your work life or academic life I mean you know my friend was saying that she really liked that internship because it was a really great swing dancing community over there and um, not as much here. I don't know anything about swing dancing, but I guess, like, not the certain type of swing dancing that she wanted to do here or, or something, or maybe they don't compete as often or whatever, but, like, that was something that she now kind of regrets about her choice of location. But, you know, like, maybe it's not even just, like, swing dancing as, like, an active thing that you're doing, but just even some sort of community that's, like, part of your identity. Like, if you're queer and you like like pride is a big thing to you maybe going to a school in the middle of nowhere where there's like a lot of it's just a smaller community um they probably don't have a big events like pride might not be something that like you like because every year when everyone else is going to pride you're gonna be saying like oh i wish i was going mm -hmm. too but you know it's like do you have like uh, community with respect to your like racial identity if if you are going to feel isolated in a particular community for whatever reason that's probably not the best even if it has like this really great research that you love to do because you know it's still part of yourself that you're just you're not going to be like happy with um in your day-to-day -day life outside of doing whatever work studies you're doing yeah i mean so this is this is going to be a, a theme that I imagine we're going to be revisiting a lot, which is work-life balance. Oh, yeah. But but also keep in mind, okay, we're we're talking about PhD for for a second, and um, physics it's can be anywhere five years, eight years. Um, <laughs> I know some people ten. Yeah, there have been people who have done ten plus, which I know is some people have done four tricky. But but so so depending on the field that you're in, you may be in grad school for for quite some time. Andrea and I got married. I'm I'm staying in the same city. I'm staying in the same school. I was lucky enough to be. I'm very thankful for this, by the way. Um, to be hired by by a new faculty member who wanted to start a lab, and our interests overlap quite a bit. You know, this is this is. I guess I'm moving on to my seventh year here in this city. Eighth. Eighth year. Wow. Because I'm doing my seventh. Oh yeah, and and Andrea spent one year somewhere else, but. Um, so in my eighth year in Atlanta, and I'm a guy from Boston. Um, <laughs> this this is this is a, and I'm turning thirty, so uh, so I'm about to spend not quite a third of my life, you know, up to now here, but approaching it. Really, really, I've spent a long time here, and it took me a while to get used to Atlanta, to get used to our institution. You know, it's there's some coping mechanisms that I've had to develop for the heat. It doesn't snow. It doesn't. Well, when, when when it does, it's like one inch of this white, you know, stuff that's and on the everything ground. Everything shuts down, and it's not even it's not even on the ground. It's just threatening. It's like 
in the distance and 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 Atlanta is just like oh no cover everything freak out we're going to yeah uh, apocalyptical it's it's you know it's serious down here because they don't have the uh the resources to deal with it and um and also you know the the drivers are atrocious and this is coming from you know someone who grew up around Boston yeah it's uh yeah so it, it took some getting used to so the thing is, you know, find your coping mechanisms. Atlanta's not too bad for us in the end because we're both, you know, sort of city dwellers. And it works to some degree. We we found a way to survive here. But but we, we've known people. Uh, we have a friend from the Midwest, for example, who... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and she, she had a hard time. You know, she's from a rural town. Uh, she had a hard time here. Um, and... and some people will tell you that it's it's all about the program. It's all yeah. about being in this prestigious lab. Um, but if you're going to be here for for your mid twenties, uh, sorry, um, or whatever or age whatever you age you're in. Um, but there's you're, people you're, that started. I know people started my year in like they were thirty. So yeah. So majority of people in these programs are, are going to be young. Uh, not, not quite middle aged, let's say. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> adults, but you know, young, uh, younger adults, not young adults. But you're going to be spending some of the best years of your life, presumably, in this city doing grad school, which can be very stressful. You might as well be in a place where you're comfortable. Don't don't ignore that. Yeah. Um, don't don't ignore the location. No. Please don't for your for your own mental health. Yeah. Besides just, like, well, what is your day-to-day life? And, like, can you see yourself living there? Talking a bit more about the program itself, one thing that comes up is what what do you need to get the degree? Uh, how many classes? Um, that can change. I, I know in physics it can change a lot. I've heard of programs having, like, one class for some reason, and ours has, I can't count, but probably 15 that we need to do graduate. Well, okay, so so there's a there's handful like the of four, four classes. There's the four classes. We have a minor uh, requirement, which is three classes, um, and then, like, two more... Advanced um, physics courses. Two more advanced physics courses. You know, so, so kind of looking into, you know, that sort of stuff and what, what you feel like you can handle. Um, but also, um, there are these... A lot of times there are these tests you might have to take. Um, it changes depending on the program, um, sometimes they're called the comprehensive exams or pre- preliminary exams or the qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's something you take after your core classes um, to pass into candidacy for the PhD. And that's usually like um, that's usually the point where you pass from like course heavy work to to more research work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that can change school to school, whether, like, what's considered passing, how many chances you get at taking it, do you have to take them all at once, um, like, for each class, or some class, or some programs, like ours, don't even have them, and, you know, there's a lot more emphasis put onto the coursework itself, mm-hmm. um, they make the coursework a little bit harder, um, and say, okay, well, just pass these courses instead of you know, having easy coursework and then hard exams. So, so kind of looking into that and what you feel like is is a good fit for you, I find 
pretty important, but also what else is required. So we have we have this new requirement of meeting with your uh, thesis committee once a year for this annual review. I quite like the idea of this because I think it's it's really easy to somehow really easy to waste a year and feel like you haven't accomplished anything. So having people that are external to you and your advisor kind of take a look and say, okay, I think this is on the right track or I think this is not, you know, I find that pretty helpful, but maybe you don't want that or maybe, you know, something, maybe there's some other requirements we're even not mentioning that other schools have that, that we don't know about, but um, kind of looking at what is that going to be like. And some of this might be a bit more advisor dependent, but I know some people saying like, you need to publish X number of papers to graduate. Have you heard that before? Well, yeah, I mean, some, some programs actually okay. require that a certain number of papers uh, to graduate. Actually, there, there's, uh, there's a program I was told about. There's this option of not even writing a thesis in the end. If you, if you write um, a single author paper oh. um, and, and get that published um, and, and a certain journal or, or a certain yeah. set of journals, one of a certain set of journals, then you're given your PhD, yeah. uh, presumably with a defense. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, but. I'm not sure. I mean, in some places, the defense is also structured a certain way. We could talk more about defenses another day. But, but yeah, so kind of looking into um, stuff like that and saying, like, you know, do I really want to have this requirement of publishing three papers or one single offer awesome author paper, if I'm, if I knew I'm not going to go into academia, so publications aren't really important to me, then, so maybe that doesn't even, like, you don't want to have that stress when you say, hey, I have this job lined up somewhere else, and, um, I don't really want to worry about publications, so, um, I think that's kind of a good thing to look for, too, but, um, another thing that you mentioned earlier is, like, talking to faculty, you trust at your current institution and just see what they say of uh, a particular program. And yes, I, I, I'm going to say, like, take what they say with a grain of salt because um, I've talked to professors at our undergrad who gave me a list of kind of what's considered, like, the top schools to apply to. And then I kind of looked at some of my grades and stuff and was like, nope, not happening. On the other hand, if you have... If, if, if you know um, a professor or even like a postdoc or research scientist, you know, someone who's been around a little bit, yeah. that um, whom you trust mm -hmm. um, and, and, and who key. knows you yeah. also, that, that's another thing, who knows you, who, know, who knows your interests, uh, usually you can, you, can, you can trust them a bit more. Um, and it's not as if they're going to trick you or anything like that. Yeah. They're, they're going to have insider advice. They're not going to say necessarily oh don't go to that program it's crap yeah, everybody I mean, there is terrible uh partly because you know i don't think that there's necessarily programs where everybody is terrible but, no no but, but but there are other things that could come up like oh this person takes a while to graduate their students yeah. um maybe that's not what you want or you know i've heard this person focuses more on like number of hours you're in the lab and maybe that, like, from knowing you, that's not a good fit. There could even be, like, I know this person's actually thinking of leaving that university. So, um, oh, yeah, you know, one. that, like, so if that's somebody you really want to work with, then maybe maybe hold off on that college because they're not staying there for long. 
because um, that happens, and it kind of sucks to be uh, stuck at a school where you're hoping to work with somebody who then leaves for whatever reason that happens. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's important to find someone that you really trust. I don't know, looking back in my undergrad, I don't know if I actually formed any relationships with faculty in that way that I trusted them enough to, like, ask. I thought I trusted, like, some people. I mean, I, I, I did trust them, but I don't think they... Like, there were some things I obviously didn't tell them about stuff that I was going through, so they... I, I put up a big front, and um, seeing my actual transcripts and seeing me out, like, in, in their class was very different for them, and yeah. um, so I, I think it wasn't quite as helpful for me. But, you know, starting my junior year was, like, might have actually been as soon as, like, my spring semester of sophomore year or something like that. I, I started really talking to professors in undergrad. Yeah. And actually, um, you know, towards the end, I, I developed a good relationship with, uh, with, with one of them. Uh, and this person did a completely different type of research, which was theoretical statistical mechanics. And they took the time to to talk a lot with me and, and talk about what's interesting and listen to my questions and sort of humor my ideas to some degree. Yes, I got a lot of a recommendation from them, but I also discussed my grad school choices with them. For you undergrads out there, get to know professors. Yeah. They're, they're people. They're very busy people. Don't get me wrong. They are very busy people, but, but talk to them and, and find the ones who, who will talk to you. Yeah. I think we can talk about, you know, reaching out to professors and, and stuff um, more in depth another time because I think there could yeah. be a whole other Oh yeah, I mean as as far that. as as far as these topics goes go, they're um We might be revisiting some things over and over. Again and again and again, you know, the repetition is the key to something i don't know uh, i'm tired uh, yeah I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that one but yeah so was there anything else i hope hopefully we kind of hit on at least that question of narrowing down narrowing down your grad programs i mean basically sometimes it could be just a very arbitrary decision you know just like i like snow so i'm going to stay up here or i like city or i don't like city or, you know, this place has, like, Zumbo classes that I could take for free. That's not true here. But, um, but you know, it's, like, some, you know, it could be something pretty arbitrary. But as long as, like, it also has what you want in that program as well. I mean, I think there's a lot of great programs. But the key thing is your happiness. Well, if, if you're in the position where you can, you know, narrow it down to... Hey, I like these these two schools, or, or these two schools are a good fit for me, or, or even three, or, or something. Or, you know, if you're very lucky, trust me, it's a good problem to have. There's multiple schools that you got into um, that would be, academically speaking, a good fit for you. Don't do I. For me, it's not worth doing a lot more research from there because you'll never know what is the what will have been the best school for you. Yeah. It's 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 impossible to uh, hind, hindsight is 2020, 20, but in the end it's actually kind of 
it's kind of tough to to see where your life would take you had you made that other choice. So sometimes you have to go with your gut instinct. And this leads us into our second question. Oh, yeah, yeah that took we're a while. about an hour in. Can I change PhD schools if mine isn't right for me? That is a really great question, and I wish I knew the answer of that when I first started grad school. So Mike and I graduated at the same time, which was 2011, but we started our physics PhD programs at different times because I actually picked a different grad school. Different, It wasn't even physics, but I picked a different program and was there for a year. And for some personal reasons, some other reasons, I did not like it at all in any way, really. I, I like the city, actually. That was that was nice. Yeah, um, good city. Yeah, but um, you know, I didn't like the community. I didn't. I don't know why I picked that area. I found out pure math wasn't for me. I mean, if you like pure math, that's well, not even applied math, right? I didn't even really get to applied math. I, like a lot of that was pure math. Oh, yeah, the the core courses, right? Yeah, but, you know, I just found, like, it wasn't really for me. Uh, a lot of things about it weren't wasn't for me, and it was kind of an arbitrary choice that I decided to apply for math PhD programs instead of physics PhD programs. So around that time, I was feeling pretty depressed because I, uh, like, Mike was in another city. He was in Atlanta. I was somewhere else, and... I didn't like the program. I felt like I had made a terrible choice and ruined my life. Like, really, I felt like I ruined my life. And, and I didn't know I was going to be able to get out of it. I didn't. I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but um, I was thinking kind of, you know, if I apply to new programs, are they going to look at me and say, like, why didn't you finish this program? I also was worried they were going to ask me, like, why did you switch fields? Um, also, what came up a lot was, um, you know, was it really this program in particular or was it grad school itself that I didn't like? Because one thing I really hated was a lot of the students were telling me, this is just grad school, that's just how it is, just get through it, you know, like, just, like kind of put up with it. And I was like, this can't be it. Like, there's so many people going to grad school, like, it can't all be miserable, right? <laughs> like, why are we putting ourselves through it if everybody hates grad school? So so at the time, I had convinced the department to let me take an elective that was a physics class. And it was a grad-level physics class. And I loved it. And I spent all my time working on those problem sets and doing the readings. And I didn't want to do any of my math stuff. And basically, at that point, I said, I'm going to just try to reapply for physics PhD programs. Now, for me, I know I got a little bit lucky at the time. And sometimes yeah. sometimes that's just how it is. That's not, oh, like, obviously, you still have your own successes. But sometimes someone's looking for something really particular at that time. Um, and at that time, I had reached out both to the physics grad advisor at the current the institute I was at and the one that I'm at now and kind of explained my situation and asked if I can come talk. And um, the one that I'm at now wrote back pretty quickly and said, yeah, let's, let, let's talk about it. And um, the one that I was at before just didn't reply. And that's not, I don't think, necessarily his fault. That happens a lot because, as Mike said, uh, professors are really busy and they get a lot of emails and sometimes they miss them. And sometimes I know I miss emails or sometimes 
I see an email and say, I'm gonna reply to that later because I don't have the bandwidth right now to deal with it and then I forget to do it. So uh, one nugget of wis wisdom right now is like, ah, try sending a few emails. It's usually not you, it's them. <laughs> um, but anyway, so um, so we, we talked, this grad professor, uh, this grad advisor and I, I actually visited Mike on my uh, spring break and we talked in person and I met with some of the faculty that you, at this university and I liked the work they were doing. I liked how friendly they seemed and um, and then this, the grad advisor asked me what my plan was and I said, well, I guess, well, it's too late now. This is already March. You know, the application cycle has passed so I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to restudy for the physics GRE because I had taken the physics GRE for fun. You have um, a very odd sense of fun. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that was about, but I didn't study for it. And uh, and I'm not just, I'm not a great, like, standardized test taker, and also the physics GRE is bullshit. I just, uh, but yeah, so, so, so yeah, so I, I took it while I was an undergrad, but didn't really focus on it. So my score was not very great. Um, and, and this um, professor recognized that. But he also looked at all of my research that I did in undergrad and um, letters of recommendation and um, and I guess like saw what school I did get into and kind of used that to like, well, if you can get into this school, they're comparable-ish um, maybe, I don't know, sure. um, and said like, okay, well, why don't you just start here in the fall and you'll be our first student? So that was a very lucky thing on my part. Um, I do know other students who have had similar situations. Um, I know students who have known professors who say, like, yes, I want your, like, I want you working for me, so I will vouch for you. Of course, that's not always the case, um, and sometimes you just have to straight up reapply. Uh, but I think it's also better to still reach out and explain your situation to that crowd advisor instead of just blindly reapplying. So, I mean, I did have to get, like, new recommendations from from professors and write another essay, and, like, they kind of just went, like, waved that through, but he did see, like, he did see my transcripts uh, when we talked, and he did see, like, all the classes I took and the research I took. I sent a CV, uh, so, so it is possible to change. But at the time, I didn't know that, and at the time, I felt like a real failure. But, you know, I know so many people now that have done almost a complete program and then for whatever reason they they change phd program something happens their life situation changes um and and they've they've changed programs and and i know a lot of people that do it and i just think the way you go about it might depend a bit on what your situation is like and the school that the or schools you're looking at now uh yeah. what they're like so you know i just want to keep that out there that like if you are in a place you don't like and you're not happy, you don't have to stay there. And uh, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. At the time, I'm kind of like kicking myself, like, why did I pick pure math? Like, I don't, I don't know. Well, I sort of know what was going through my mind, but, but you know, I really do enjoy physics and I love physics, and um, that was obviously the better choice for me. But at the time, for whatever reason, it was not my choice. Um, and you can somehow find a way to make it work. And sometimes that might be also taking different steps, maybe doing a master's program for a few years, two years, one, one or two years first, and then 
reapplying for PhD programs. It could be retaking the physics GRE or the general GRE. It could be getting new experience and new um, letters of recommendation. It could be having someone like relook at your essays and rewriting new essays. It could be um, just having someone that can vouch for you and your record um, and want you. Yeah, I mean, so so as with basically everything we, we say, there's always going to be counterexamples. Would you, uh, would you agree with the statement that one of the best things that you can do is talk to people? Yes, yes. I feel like talking to people has just helped me so much. I, Even though you might not believe it, I am very eloquent. <laughs> um, I don't know if I sound... Uh, that way it's, on it's here. It's a Sunday night. It's a Sunday night, and I think I've had one glass of cider and like one and a half glasses of wine. But um, no, we're clocking in about the same, actually. Yeah. So, um, but especially in, in writing, and especially in an email, um, and I can be pretty persuasive. I think in person when I need to be. So um, I always find that I can do better talking to someone than just like a pretty plain like regular application and um i'm not saying like harass every like you know everyone that like every position that you're applying for whoever's looking at it i'm not saying to do that but like obviously if there's questions you have my question at the time was should i leave my program now or should i try to stick with it for another year to get a master's degree and then leave. There was no point for me to do that at the time to stick with it. And and that was kind of the advice I got. I was not expecting a like come join us right now. And in fact, you know, having a little break in between doing first year PhD programs like twice in a row would have been nice. Um <laughs> core classes are not easy. Yeah, I can talk about that. We can both talk about that. Yeah, but um, <laughs> you, you pour more wine as we mentioned core classes. Um, <laughs> but, but but yeah, sorry, you go. No, I no, it's okay. No, it, it's fine because you're you're the one with this experience. I was yeah. rather lucky in that I sort of you know found the program I wanted to be in, found the advisor I wanted to have. Um, could I have chosen a different grad school? Had a completely different, well, a fairly different trajectory with my academic career. Yeah. That's fine. But uh, I don't know if that trajectory would have been any better or any worse. It is what it is. So that goes back a little bit to, to, to making a gut decision. But, but to come back to the point, which is, which is talking to people, uh, talking to people opens up doors. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I'm, I'm, I've been an introvert most of my life, and, and I'd say that you have. Well, one of the best pieces of advice that my mother has given me is squeaky wheel gets the grease. And I always hated her saying that, but it's really true, I think. Like, if you are vocal about what you want and vocal about your situation and your need and your plan or whatever, I think, like, you will get more people looking at you and, like, wanting to, willing to talk with you. Well, yeah, so... I'm not so, saying complain about everything. But, yeah, exactly. But Vocal, but uh, squeaky, but respectful. Yeah, I'm not saying complain about everything, but I'm, yeah. like... You know, reaching out instead of I could have just applied blindly, like, and they wouldn't know who I was. Yeah. I, I could have just reapplied for a program, um, and maybe my application wouldn't have stuck out as much. I don't know. I don't like. I have no idea how that would have gone. So, 
it's it is important uh, or it can be important to test well sometimes. I mean, actually, fewer schools, at least in our field, are, are looking at the physics GREs. But, but you know, transcripts can matter. Research yeah. record matters. Um, but another thing that, you know, cannot be understated is how much enthusiasm matters yeah. and interest. And, and that goes for... <laughs> because as a grad student, you're an investment. Yeah. They pay, like, they pay for your classes and they pay you for doing your work um so if if they're making offers to people that don't want to come to their university in the end um you know the that's a problem if they if they're making offers to people who can't like are just not able to stay like maybe they can't keep up with the coursework or if they don't want to stay like that's also not good for them yeah yeah i mean so Actually, interesting little tidbit I found out when when I started, you know, being a postdoc, is that okay? I make double the grad student stipend essentially. But you're cheaper. But I am cheaper. Why? Because there's a lot of extra fees that go into having grad students. Yeah. So so it's 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 very weird. Postdocs are a bit rarer. Postdocs are you know no one in high school or. At least I've not in my high, my high school. Yeah, what, what was a postdoc? Actually, honestly, in high school, what was a grad student? But anyhow, but it, it's really interesting because postdocs are trained, usually I'm in the same field, tend to be a bit cheaper, de- yep. depending on how things work out. So, um, but but they're rare, and and so a lot of um, a lot of resources go go into uh, having grad students. So enthusiasm, interest in a certain research field, uh, uh, the the ability to go out of your way yeah. and talk to um, the head of a lab or yeah. or even a, a graduate advisor, show interest, show show willingness to go go out of your way to accomplish certain things, is important. Yeah, we can talk a little bit later about you know at least what I find makes a good. Um, research, uh, personal, sorry, I keep calling it a research statement, because that's what's on my mind, um, yeah. but a uh, personal statement when applying to grad schools, because I find that a lot of people do them wrong. But okay, yeah, no, l- l- little preview, No. do not no. start with... Do not start with, when I was a kid, I looked up at the stars, or blah, 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 blah. Because... So many people, right? Yeah, it's so okay, but that that's that's for another later, time. Later, but but may, may, maybe maybe that's something we can keep on going back to. Yeah, because it's amazing how many people actually write that statement. Yeah, and and even if that's true, I'm not like knocking you or whatever. But you know, it's just you think it's going to stand out, and it for some reason really doesn't. Um, yeah. But okay, so so I think we've kind of covered the. Can I change PhD schools if mine isn't right for me? Yeah. Do we want to cover one more or, like, talk about one more question? We will get to uh, most yeah. of these questions at some point. We're just trying to figure out what fits with the flow. Also, this is our first time doing a podcast. so and As you can tell, we have no idea what we're doing. We have no idea what we're doing. Are there ways to help with application or GRE fees? Um, nobody told me how expensive it was to apply to grad school. Do you happen to remember how much you spent? A thousand bucks. Yeah, so that's how, about how much I spent. And I applied to eight programs? That's not... That's about how many I, I mean, I, I don't think eight is necessarily a lot. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like 
eight is not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think eight's pretty standard. Some people apply to less. Depends um, on your field. I, I hear that the the process for med school can be very oh, interesting, yeah. oh, but also very costly. Once I find a med school friend, I'll get someone on here. Um, but yeah, so so I applied to eight graduate programs. What comes into the cost that makes it a thousand dollars? Okay, well. Each school typically has an application fee, which is usually about six seventy dollars, uh, sixty five to eighty, maybe like somewhere around that area. It's increased. It increased a bit since we, I think, since we had to do it. it like everything's increasing. Um, so so you know, there's that per school. So that's already mm-hmm. like pretty pricey right there. Um, so then you have. Um, Sending your transcripts to every school. Uh, that depends on your undergrad university, but that can add up as well if you're applying to eight schools. And yeah. also, if you happen to have transcripts from multiple universities, which I did, because um, I took some summer classes when I was at home that summer doing an REU. So I had to send different sets of transcripts, paying for each one of them to go to each university. Then you have these standardized tests that you have to take. A lot of graduate programs require what's called the GRE, which is the General Record Examination. Is that what it's called? Um, <laughs> Something like that. Um, basically, it's, it's like the SAT, um, but for grad school. It's, you know, there's this verbal section and there's a... Math section. No, the graduate record Sorry, examination. Sorry, graduate record examination. Um, so yeah, there's this like math section, and there's this verbal section, and there's possibly a writing section. I can't keep track of these standardized tests anymore because they keep changing. Um, but one thing that also sucks about the GRE is that a lot of times they're done on the computer, and that means you can't sk- skip questions without having some sort of penalty. But we can talk about the GRE another time. Um, I'm just saying that you have to take that test. So I think it costs a certain amount, like 150 or more, 180 to take that test. Um, and then it costs to send the scores of that test to each university that you're applying to. Then if you're taking a subject test like we did, and typically I know a lot of people who take their subject test, um, they take it twice, once in um, there's three times a year that you can take it, but typically it's it's common to take it your final year of undergrad uh, once in September and October, once in October. Although it has shifted slightly earlier since when we took it because we ours was on your birthday, you remember, yeah. or like the day before you were there. Something yeah, like something like that. So oh, I also had some bad kimchi before. Yeah. So, so, so <laughs> oh yeah, and then we started dating before the second one because I remember you said... Let's wait till after the GRE to tell people we started dating. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, um, to order additional scores to, sent, yeah. to be sent to schools, it costs. Uh, so I'm looking at per school. Wow, you're close. Twenty seven. Okay, school. it has increased. Okay, it was twenty three per school. I know this because I had to pay for all of this out of pocket. Um. So, so, so yeah, you can see it can add up very quickly. Um. Now, there's a few ways to get around these fees, which I didn't know. Um, So there are schools that don't have an application fee 
our university actually used to be one of them. That's not true anymore. It used to just not cost anything to apply. But there's also um, typically... Uh, I don't, actually, I don't, oh, want yeah. to use the, I don't want to use the word typically because I'm not quite sure how common it is, but... Um, a GRE subject test is $150. I still remember. General GRE is 205 <laughs> Okay, that's increased. Uh, I think it used to be $180. Uh, in, in the United States. Uh, and unless you take the exam in China where the GRE fee is $220. Only China, okay. interestingly. I don't know. I don't um, know. So, 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 yeah, so... Um, there are schools that will actually have a way that you can waive your fee, your application fee. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there are certain schools that this is typical. I don't know if, like, if you have to show anything to, to sh- like, waive it, like, oh, I, I can't afford this or whatever. Um, but there are schools, at least um, ones that I've seen, where you can usually contact them and say, like, I can't afford this fee. Can I have it waived? So, so that might go into your um, process of narrowing down schools. Honestly, well, like, actually, as far as that goes, um, I, I'd like to hear if, if anybody has done this. But contact the graduate advisor if see if you know even if it's not mentioned on the website yeah. and explain your situation. Yeah. I'm sure that there are some cases where the graduate advisor says, "No, sorry, you have to pay this fee," but. I would be very surprised if uh, if there aren't a lot of yeah. cases where the graduate advisor says, "Oh, I see. Let's see what we can do." Well, yeah. So, so I mean, the thing is, it's usually not the department that makes the call. Oh, that's true. Um, so usually it's the graduate school, which is like a higher up thing. Yeah, but they're they're also the ones who know who to contact. Yes, exactly. So, well, them or the uh, the graduate recruiters. Yeah. So, so I would say. Look, like, contact the, like, graduate advisor or graduate recruiter for the department that you're applying for. So if it's physics, then, like, there should be someone on the website that says that. Ask them about waiving the application fee. And also ask somebody in the graduate school themselves. So so graduate admissions, like, whatever that is, ask yeah. them as well. So, so I would do that for each university because um, it doesn't hurt. And if they say no then you're nowhere, like, not a different case. If they say, yeah, this is how you go about doing it, then, okay, great. You've at least limited your cost a little bit. So um, besides that, if you do your research early on what schools you want to apply for, um, which I tried to do and I still kept changing my mind. I'm really bad at making decisions. But um, when you take your general GRE and or GRE subject test, Usually, you can put down a few schools that you want to have those scores sent to for free. But you have to know that when you're taking the test. And you have to know the school codes, usually. Like, there's certain <laughs> four-digit numbers. I, I'm just saying, this is how you save money. No, no, money. no, no, no. I, I agree. Um, I, I think I put I down I always found that to be ridiculous. I know. <laughs> I, I put down schools that I ended up not even applying to in the end. So it was just kind of a waste. I mean, some of them I think I did, and then some of them I didn't. Um... So it was just kind of a waste in that end. Like, I, I mean, maybe it helped a little bit, but, like, I wasn't as prepared. But if you know, like, if you're taking the first GRE subject test in September, you know, spend the summer in between your, like, second to last and your last year trying to really narrow down the schools as best as you could. 
Um, and then make sure, I forget how many schools you can list on there. I want to say it's like four to six or something like that. Uh, but that could, that, like, if it's $27 per test per school, that can save a lot of money. So then the last thing I would say, you're probably not going to be able to waive transcript fees. I don't think. I haven't seen a way. I haven't seen something like that, but that might be something that you have to talk to, like, admissions at your own school about but like i don't think that there's i haven't seen anyone well so so part of the issue is um actually when i was being hired as a postdoc yeah i was required to send my transcript to hr to mm-hmm. human resources at, at our current institution and um did you have to pay to send i your had to pay to the, from the school that you're at to the same school yes that's ridiculous but all, but also from uh, from my undergrad, but but it, it depends on how your school structure. But they are they should have also have your undergrad transcript. It's it's a weird pipeline. What does your undergrad transcript from seven years ago have to do? Okay, never mind. Never mind. Okay. But but the point is that it it, it costs it didn't cost all that much. I think it costs like yeah, seven dollars. Oh, okay. um, um, at least for one. But but also the other thing is it's not. It's not always true that um, your undergraduate institutions are the gatekeepers to your paper transcripts. Actually, um, for our undergraduate institution, it's uh, it's handled by an external company. Oh. So so. Um, <laughs> I don't remember. This. So not well. I mean, I had to do it fairly recently. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> as we were saying, um, but um, it was cheap. You know, it it cost. Um, yeah, you know, it, it costs a bit more than for me than a Starbucks drink, you know, two dollars more. Say a Starbucks drink with a very very generous tip, but but still, you know, it, it costs. <laughs> that's like about how much you pay when you buy me a drink, also. Yeah, that's true. But um, but 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 the point is, um, so okay, it, so, it can cost money, and it's not always that the school yeah, that can save school, you money. Yeah, so so that might not be worth like trying to figure out costs, like cutting costs there, but. I do know that there are ways to actually save money on uh, registering for the GREs. So yes, it says, at ETS, we believe that the cost of taking a GRE test should not be a barrier to graduate study. So there's a fee reduction program for individuals who demonstrate financial need and for national programs that work with underrepresented groups. So I would say look into this as early as possible. Usually, from my experience, the GRE test itself, uh, the testing locations fill up really quickly. So, like, I registered, I was still in Geneva at the time, so I registered for both of my GRE tests that summer. So for the October test and for the um, November yeah, test. Yeah, so, so you were saying, in uh, like, like July. four months in advance. Yeah, I would say, like, yeah, I, I was, like, June or July... I think I registered for one and then, like, decided to register for another one later. Um, so June is the sixth. The, the six. Yeah, I can do math. Was, <laughs> and then uh, then the first test was October. Yeah, so four months in advance, I would say. If you are listening to this and you happen to know of some tips of saving money applying to, to graduate programs, um, then just let us know in, like, the comments or something. Because, I, I mean, $1,000 completely screwed me over, especially, like, moving to a new state and having to like pay for an apartment with very little money so if if you're like living in an apartment for the first time which i kind of was at the time 
usually you have to have like a first month's rent and mm-hmm. security and you're not even making money yet. So like I think I moved in it was like August 10th yeah. and I got my first paycheck like October 1st. So so having paid $1000 to basically get rejected from eight schools, have one change their mind for some reason yeah. and then move to another state, have to get all my shit to that state as well and then live in an apartment um and get food and like there was also this like $200 deposit for electricity bills or something so so like it is a lot of money so if you're looking at grad school somewhere don't even just consider the applying costs but also the startup costs because you might not get paid right away i mean i guess the the theme of tonight is things are expensive mistakes are okay um doesn't hurt to reach out and ask. We should probably. Uh, I think I think now three questions. Um, so hopefully you got something out of this. It definitely was a bit easier to talk after a glass of something. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so we have um, an email. Well, actually, we have a few things. Um, so bookkeeping corner something bookshelf corner. I don't know. What? I don't, I don't know. Okay, so we have um, a Gmail account, so if you want to send emails, it is curriculummortispodcast at gmail.com. So curriculum... Don't, don't get the password that's no, written not, underneath. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so curriculum, as you would normally spell the word curriculum, mortis, which is M-O-R-T-I-S. If you found this podcast, then you probably know how to spell it. And then podcast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter account that has nothing up yet, um, which is Carrick Mortis Pod. Because apparently there is a <laughs> limit in the number of letters you can have in your Twitter handle. So that is C U R R I C M O R T I S P O D. And we have a Tumblr account, so you can also submit questions on Tumblr via the Ask option. If you do that, please also let us know if you want it anonymous or what name you want us to go by because I don't know if people really want their Tumblr accounts known on, on, on this like academic podcast, but, but the, um, the Tumblr account is curriculum-mortis-podcast. Those are three ways you can submit your questions, and um, hopefully we will get through to them um, as we figure out what we're doing. Feel free to ask us questions, um, and we'll try to get through them. Also, if you have a specific field, so like obviously we're coming from more of a STEM, specifically physics um, route, but if you have you know um, a different field in mind, our hope, or at least my hope, is to get... Um, some guests from other fields to talk about their experiences, especially also like guests that are not white. We're both we're both white, um, yeah. and I think like we're only talking about a subset of experiences. Hopefully, we can get a variety of guests. I do have friends that are starting law school right now, so she might be able to talk about you know, her experience applying for law school. Um, she took specifically, she took some time off to in between undergrad and grad. Um, I know someone who 
specifically my sister who did occupational therapy school. I mean, we we do know a lot of other people too. So um, (laughs) trust us. Trust us. We know things. No, Um, (laughs) but but so if you have a specific question, it might take us a while to get to it. If it's like something very different, like. What about getting an MBA? I have no idea. Honestly, half the time when people say MBA, I think they're saying NBA, and I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> it has yeah. everything to do with it, no. as it turns so, out. So we would just kind of put those questions aside until we kind of get someone we know. Or if you're listening to this and you feel like you might be a good guest to have, you can also reach out to us and we can talk to you and decide. Yeah, like, um, we can do the Skype thing. Yeah, we can figure it out. So, um, we cur- I don't have a sign-off. Yeah, we're trying to look for a sign-off at this point. We, we have some ideas. Um, I don't know. What's, what's sort of a takeaway message from this first episode? Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, Talk to people. Bye. That, that's a terrible one. I'm Andrea. I'm Mike. And this was our first episode of Curriculum Mortis. <laughs>